When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. I don't ever talk about my travel because, as some of you know, it's a security issue. The military thinks it's not a good idea right now. He cannot say, tell a member of Congress what they can or cannot do. I wouldn't underestimate President Xi's determination. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. This is an issue area that Senator Sinema has been vocal on. She has an awful lot in this piece of legislation, the way it's been designed. It is the Joe Manchin Act. The Democrats needed some kind of a win. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. It appears Nancy Pelosi is heading for Taiwan after all. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as the speaker's travel leads the conversation here inside the bubble, keeping the focus on China today and its strained relationship with the U.S. We'll talk potential risk and opportunity coming up with former Secretary of Defense Mark Esper. And we'll hear from retired Admiral John Kirby later this hour, spokesman for the White House National Security Council. He briefed reporters on a possible trip today. Analysis from our panel, Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano is with us along with Lester Munson, principal at BGR Group, former staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Lot to address this hour. And first, the headlines from overseas popped this morning. She's going, the Speaker of the House, to visit Taiwan during her trip to Asia. Sources here saying as much to Bloomberg News. Although the White House would not confirm that trip would be happening, we did get a briefing today from retired Admiral John Kirby. He was in the briefing room with reporters, of course, speaking for the White House National Security Council and some very direct thoughts about this trip. Here he is. There is no reason for Beijing to turn a potential visit consistent with longstanding U.S. policy into some sort of crisis or conflict or use it as a pretext to increase aggressive military activity in or around the Taiwan Strait. And yet, over the weekend, even before Speaker Pelosi arrived in the region, China conducted a live fire exercise. And he warned that more could be coming as the days go ahead. We're going to hear more from John Kirby, who will be talking with us later on this hour. Right now, 
We want to pick the brain of someone who's been there to Taiwan and quite recently, the former Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, of course, from the Trump administration with us now on Sound On. Secretary, welcome back to Bloomberg. Thanks, Joe. It's great to be with you. You've done this trip. Is this a smart move for Nancy Pelosi to be going now? Well, you're right. I did. I did it about 10 days ago. I spent uh, three or four of those days with uh, the leadership in Taiwan and with the Taiwanese business leaders and with American business people in Taiwan. So it was a great trip. Uh, But I said at the time when this was first started being talked about that we should not allow the Chinese Communist Party to dictate the travels of American officials. So at this point, they've they've made it such an issue that she has to go and she should Mm. go. And every evidence indicates that she she will be stopping there in the next 24 to 48 hours. Apparently so. What message then would it have sent if she did not go? Well, it would it would have showed lack of resolve on behalf of the United States and on the Biden administration in particular. I know the Chinese don't make a distinction between the Congress and the executive branch, but yeah. but it would not have looked good at a time when Xi Jinping, the leader of uh, China, is uh, making a move to get a unprecedented third term as general secretary of China. What did you hear when you were in Taiwan? Was this all the talk? Were they hoping that she would come? It was not all the talk. Of course, it was it was just starting to break when I was there. More importantly, their focus was on the war in Ukraine and lessons learned. Hmm. And it was uh, and what that might mean as China moves, gets closer and closer to its party Congress in November. That's when, again, Xi Jinping will get his third term. And then the party leadership reshuffling that will happen in the months following. It's it's beyond that point where they where they get uneasy about what China may or may not do mm-hmm. with regard to Taiwan's status. General Milley uh, has said the Pentagon is ready to, to get the speaker there safely, if that's what's decided. It's not about politics for the Defense Department. I just wonder, though, Secretary, how difficult is it for the Pentagon to provide security on a mission like this? What's involved? Well, I, I think you see some indications through the media that they're moving a carrier strike group in the, in the outside, uh, in the South China Sea, at least, to be responsive. Is that why? That's probably why. The the report is it was transiting up that way as well. But if I were him, I would be directing that we have assets nearby to to support the trip in case something happens. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to be careful of these things. People make miscalculations. Uh, You have young pilots in the air or captains of ships who who, uh, do the wrong thing, and one thing can escalate into another. So you want to be prepared for the worst. I don't think any military confrontation is going to come out of this. I, I think China may you know, fly more aircraft toward Taiwan or sure. maybe, you know, some some uh, missile shots into open waters and stuff like that. But you got to be careful. You don't want to get uh, blindsided. There was a you probably heard this Chinese propagandist broadcaster made some headlines last week that even Speaker Pelosi repeated uh, in one of her briefings on Capitol Hill, suggesting that she could be shot down if seen being escorted by U.S. military jets. You don't believe that, do you? No, not at all. Look, that would be an act of war. And uh, I believe that the leadership in Beijing is uh, is far more responsible than that. And and our leadership is equally responsible. So nobody wants a war. But this is posturing again because uh, Xi Jinping is just a few short months away uh, trying to get his unprecedented, right, not since Mao Zedong, uh, third term in office. And so this is important to him. He can't show weakness at this point in time. So they will they will respond, but they're they're not going to start a war over it. Nor should a war be started over this. So, Secretary Esper, what's the response then? What what do you expect from Beijing when they see the image of Speaker Pelosi on the tarmac in Taipei? 
Well, like I said, you could see that, uh, you know, missile missile barrages, shots into open waters uh, outside of Taiwan somewhere. You could see some type of cyber attack where they try and shut down the infrastructure, the electrical grid or something in, in Taiwan for 24 hours. Uh, maybe more intrusions into Taiwan's air defense identification zone. You know, who knows? But they're going to calibrate very carefully to send a message. Yep. Uh, it's going to have to be more than what they've done in the past, but not so much as to pr- provoke a tit-for-tat response between both countries. CIA Director uh, William Burns gave an interview uh, at the Aspen Strategy Group Security Forum. You may have even been there. Uh, but yep. he said he believes that President Xi is watching. You mentioned Ukraine, that Xi is watching Russia's operation. It's war in Ukraine right now very closely. Here's what he said. I wouldn't underestimate um, you know, President Xi's determination uh, to assert uh, China's control, the People's Republic of China's control over Taiwan. Is he suggesting a military answer by China after seeing what's happened in Ukraine? Is this actually in the works? Well, the Chinese have always threatened a military response if it comes down to that. Should Taiwan do something like declare independence? But look, he's not the only one learning lessons. Uh, President Tsai, uh, the president of Taiwan, when she and I met for over an hour, we talked about the lessons learned from Ukraine as well and, and, and the gutsy, determined leadership and and fighting from the Ukrainians and what it means for the Taiwanese. So I think everybody is watching what's happening. Look, I, I think if, if, if Xi Jinping is smart, a critical lesson learned should be, uh, can he trust what his military is telling him about their own capabilities and about what they can and cannot do? Hmm. Clearly, that didn't happen with Vladimir Putin and the Russian military. We saw a very incompetent military unable to achieve its objectives. And if I were Xi Jinping, I would be really questioning is my military up to any task, or are they just telling me what I want to hear? So that's the lesson, then, that China knows it would have to have overwhelming force to make this viable. Look, it's it's a 100-mile amphibious assault. If, if they go for the major end of the operation, that's a very, very difficult operation. Yeah. You know, D-Day was, you only had to cross the, uh, go from the U.K. to France, and that's, what, 13 miles. So yeah. this is a tough operation, and... Uh, and, uh, but look, there's other things he could do. He could try uh, a blockade of Taiwan if we ever get to that point. Nobody think that, thinks that's going to happen anytime soon. Right. It's at least a few years away by, by most accounts. If China does strike Taiwan now or in a few years, is that the equivalent of an Article 5 violation for NATO allies but in Asia? Well, we don't have a treaty with uh, with Taiwan like we do with NATO allies. Understood. We treaties with Japan it's Korea. feeling like that, but though, it, isn't it? It would clearly be, you know, a, an act of war against Taiwan. The question remains, would the United States come to their assistance? Now, President Biden has said three times on three separate occasions that we would, yeah. which was an explicit acknowledgement of, of that. And the, then the White House surprisingly went and walked it back three times. So I've argued that the one China policy has outlived its usefulness and that we need to have stri- greater strategic clarity, not strategic ambiguity. In my view, uh, strength and resolve and an international global commitment by the democracies of the world against the autocracies of the world is critical in this day and age and going forward. Well, you talked about this uh, just a few days ago uh, before the Atlantic Council uh, and issued a five-point plan, rolled out your five-point plan for Taiwan to deter China. One of those points is defense and diplomacy. What does Taiwan need from us that they don't have now? Well, they need to know that uh, if they are invaded, that we will assist them with military means, of course, direct action. Logistics would be critical in this type of scenario. In fact, we talked in Taipei about their immediate need for uh, Stinger anti-aircraft missiles, for Javelin anti-tank missiles, for the HIMARS, 
things like that that they're trying to purchase. But they want to know that we will be there. My view is it, it can't just be the United States. We should get the other uh, democracies of the region, which would be Japan and Korea and Australia, uh, also our NATO allies from Europe to assist as well. I think those that type of resoluteness and, re, uh, and resolve and uh, unity by the West will show China that it's just not worth it to invade this tiny island nation. It's no bigger than the state of Maryland. Yeah, it's right. just not worth going after them. You just rolled out the same shopping list, though, that uh, basically we've been uh, taking care of Ukraine with, the, the same uh, uh, Javelin missiles, Stinger missiles, and so forth. Is there going to be a conversation two years from now saying we should have been arming Taiwan? I, I hope not. One of the things that said to Taiwan is they have to dramatically increase their defense budget so that they can afford these capabilities, and they have to adopt an warfare defensive plan, uh, which has not been what they've done in the past. Through their own blood and courage, the Ukrainians have helped show Taiwan the way. And it's critical now that they quickly, quickly move forward in terms of building up their defenses. Again, not to not to try and defeat uh, China, but to deter military action in the first place. And I think that's critical because, look, nobody wants a war in Asia between the United States and China. It would upset you know, the global order. The, mm-hmm. the, think about the global economy, what it, how it would ripple across the world. Would you go back? To Taiwan in yeah. a heartbeat, absolutely. Yes, I think we need to show them support, not just to show support for a freedom-loving people and a robust democracy on Taiwan, but for her to then go back to Washington, D.C., share with her colleagues what she saw, and figure out how do we continue to improve uh, U.S. and allied support for them. Insights from Mark Esper, the former... Secretary of Defense, it's great to have you back, Secretary. We thank you today for being on Bloomberg. Thanks, Joe. Great to be with you. Coming up on the fastest hour in politics, President Biden to address the nation tonight will tell you why. As we assemble our panel, we'll check traffic and markets for you on the way. On Sound On, I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. With breaking news from Washington, we're going to see and hear from President Biden tonight. A late add to the schedule. He will address the nation or, you know, so they say at 730 p.m. I suspect he'll be on time for an evening speech like this. It's not very often. It's not prime time, but not very often we hear from the president that late. And it's. 
is, as you've seen on the terminal, uh, possibly by now, uh, on a counterterrorism operation. This is not something that we saw coming today. His official schedule says the president will deliver remarks from the Blue Room balcony on a successful counterterror operation. There's been more reporting uh, from Bloomberg News, as you would expect, that this, in fact, was a significant al-Qaeda target in Afghanistan. The Taliban says that a U.S. drone bombed a house on Saturday in Kabul. So it appears this was over the weekend and something that we'll be talking a lot more about as we learn more. But I just want to bring in the panel on this. Well, it's uh, fresh and in the air. Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano is here today, along with Lester Munson, principal at government relations firm BGR Group, formerly staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Your take on this uh, this this breaking news, Jeannie, as, as we recall the withdrawal from Afghanistan and so much talk about over-the-horizon targeting and over-the-horizon missions, I guess we uh, apparently have our first case. Yeah, and this looks like what we're going to hear tonight. It's really stunning development. The president obviously has COVID. As you mentioned, they say he's going to speak outdoors because it will be in the Blue Room balcony. Mm. But, you know, you think about the fact that president will speak live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. That means this had to be a significant and successful attack. Um, And they mentioned there are no civilian casualties. There's talk that it may have been CIA strikes. And, you know, it's stunning that if this was over the weekend, We're just hearing about it now, but then not so stunning because, of course, since the fall of Afghanistan or the fall of Kabul, we have not had a lot of good media sources and and information coming out of there. So Mm -hmm. this is quite a development in the last few minutes. What's your uh, reaction to this, Lester, when when you consider the idea that we had a feeling there'd be a lot of these following our withdrawal from Afghanistan? That was going to be the new strategy. This is the first a drone strike, the the first publicly known CIA strikes that we know about? Well, a uh, great question, Joe. I, I think probably best to reserve judgment until, until we know more. I think it's I think it's an interesting decision by the administration to go so public on this, you know, basically a year after uh, the government fell in Afghanistan and the Taliban took over. That was the beginning of President Biden's slide in the polls. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, how significant is this event? We will find out. What was the role, if any, of the Taliban? What are what? What is the state of our conversations with them in terms of counterterrorism? This will all be very interesting to learn. Uh, and I, I really do hope the president has a lot of good news to share. Uh, but having said that, I, it's a very interesting decision. The timing, of course coming right at at about the time we think Speaker Pelosi Mm. is likely to be in Taiwan. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now here at the beginning of August. Well, what's your take on Pelosi's trip then, Jeannie? This is what I thought we'd be talking about at this moment. She she could be on the ground within hours. Uh, I guess we should not be surprised. This is what Nancy Pelosi does. Yeah, I mean, she's been a longtime China hawk. Um, you know, we can't forget that just last uh, late last week, as this trip was being publicly discussed, the Congress passed the, the China Competition, the CHIPS Act. And so that was a big moment for her. This is somebody who for decades has been committed 
to defending Taiwan. Um, you know, some people are describing this as a culmination of her career as she faces potentially being ousted as Speaker of the House, and who knows if she will leave the House shortly after that. So from that perspective, it is not stunning, but it is going to be an incredibly fraught 24 to 48 hours if we listen to the rhetoric coming out of Beijing. Yeah. And of course, now we're hearing it may be an overnight stay, which quite astounded me because, you huh. know, a couple hours on the ground is one thing. Overnight stay is something else. And, and you know, people are saying China is going to have to respond. And the question is how? Well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, once we actually have the imagery, it's going to feel differently, Lester. But when you heard the news, did you think it was a smart move? Uh, I think she had no choice. Yeah. Um, you, she couldn't back down. And, you know, let me just say, Joe, uh, kudos to Speaker Pelosi. She uh, she's got guts. She's got courage. She's standing up for the right thing. She's been very good on this issue throughout her career. And I just yeah. and I'll just throw out there uh, a few months ago, right as Russia was invading Ukraine, it was Speaker Pelosi who stood up to the administration, to the Biden administration and said, we're going to prohibit Russian oil imports into the United States like she and, and a whole bunch of other measures. She is the backbone in a lot of ways of this administration and the White House in a way ought to be thanking her. If Joe Biden hadn't said publicly that the military didn't think it was a good time for her to go, would she have been backed into a corner? Uh, I think if this hadn't become public, she would, of course would have but had But isn't that what made this an issue? If he hadn't said that, she could have rescheduled this. I think once it became public, she had to go. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the question might be, you know, who, who leaked this? Why did they leak it? Uh, huh. Congressional delegations like this or CODELs are always very closely held information. Well, particularly to a sensitive uh, destination like this. Jeannie, should the president not have said that? Would we be having this conversation right now? If he it, it, it should not have been discussed publicly. I think that was a big problem, and it put us in a very difficult situation. In China, people are reporting they may move against Taiwan within the next year or so. Yeah. That's a big, big trouble for the U.S. Jeannie and Lester will stay with us as we learn more about uh, the president's speech to the nation tonight, a successful counterterrorism attack. We'll have more ahead on Bloomberg. As we consider what might come next from Nancy Pelosi's apparent trip to Taiwan, not something that the White House would confirm today. Strangely, I guess to a point, because, well, the administration has to provide the travel and the security. We've talked about this. If you listen to Sound On, you know this. But John Kirby briefed reporters today at the White House. Headlines have been flying for hours at that point. They had to get out there to answer some questions, of course. And he was very adamant about the fact the White House supports this trip. As you heard earlier this hour, there's precedent for this trip and uh, nothing changes in terms of U.S.-China policy. Nobody has said anything that should create any drama has been his point. But there was a live fire exercise last night and Kirby did warn that there could be more where that came from. Here he is. China appears to be positioning itself to potentially take further steps in the coming days and perhaps over longer time horizons. Now, these potential steps from China could include military provocations, such as firing missiles in the Taiwan Strait or around Taiwan, operations that break historical norms, such as large-scale air entry into Taiwan's air defense identification zone. None of that would, of course, be very good. I had a chance to talk with him today. Uh, John Kirby with us live on Bloomberg TV and radio. And I started by asking him what we were talking about earlier with the panel. If Nancy Pelosi is already going and this is being conducted very quietly, 
Why then would Joe Biden say publicly that the military thought this was a bad time? Here's where we start with John. Well, I think the president was answering a question he got from a reporter that surrounded uh, the, the context uh, of the kinds of information we give to uh, Speaker Pelosi before she travels. Uh, we met with her staff and with her uh, at various levels before she made this trip to make sure that she could make the best decisions uh, on her own, that she had all the information and context she needed, and the president was referencing that. But it is up to the speaker. She gets to decide what her travel itinerary looks like. The president respects that. And I realize uh, that, that you are not confirming this trip, but if she does, in fact, show up, you mentioned the fact that there were live fire exercises conducted by China last night, and you said that the, the, the country is positioning itself to potentially take further steps in the coming days. I spoke earlier, Admiral, today with Defense Secretary Mark Esper, who suggested that the USS Ronald Reagan was sent to the region in case Speaker Pelosi did yeah. visit Taiwan. Is that accurate? No, uh, the Re Ronald Reagan uh, is already forward deployed to the region. Um, her uh, uh, her uh, activities in the South China Sea were, were long planned. Um, we keep a vigilant posture in the Indo-Pacific because we need to. Uh, but it was not related to uh, any potential visit by Speaker Pelosi. Admiral Kirby, you've referred a few times, as you did in the briefing today, about consultations that the administration had with Speaker Pelosi's office uh, on the possibility that this may happen. Uh, did, did you discuss uh, any sort of overt actions or, or news conferences or, or any activities that, that she might be uh, reluctant to conduct while there so as to not inflame tensions? Does the White House have any input on her activities while she is there? Uh, our, our job is to make sure she has all the information she needs and to make sure from a security perspective that she can uh, make a trip wherever it is safely and securely. The speaker decides what she's going to do, where she's going to go, what she's going to say yeah. when she's on the ground. Um, we simply provided her information and context so that she can make decisions about her travel. General Milley has suggested that the Pentagon is prepared if she decides to go to provide whatever security is necessary. Can you just clarify for our listeners that while I understand the White House is, is not behind this trip or making decisions on it, it is in fact the administration that would provide her transportation and security? She routinely travels aboard U.S. military transportation aircraft. She is on this trip. So, of course, yep. we help her get where she's going. Um, and depending on where she's going, we might also be called in to help uh, make sure that she can do so safely and securely. I'm not going to talk mm -hmm. about that, what, what those protocols might be for a trip like this. I can just tell you that we are 100 percent committed to making sure hey, she has all the information she needs and that and that when she travels, she can do so in a safe and secure way. Admiral, among the, the possible actions that, that you predicted or, or warned of, I should say, in the briefing was a, a large scale incursion into Taiwan's airspace. If China did uh, do something like that, would there be a U.S. military response? I, I, what I said was a, a potential large scale uh, incursion into their air defense identification zone. That's different than their national, uh, not national, that's different than uh, airspace. It's the air, yeah. air, air defense identification zone. And again, I don't want to speculate about uh, U.S. military activities one way or another. Um, the, we were going to watch this very, very closely. There's no reason for it to erupt into conflict. Uh, and I don't want to speculate beyond that. Speaking with us from the White House a couple of hours ago here, you heard it live on Bloomberg Radio as it happened. Wanted to spin that back just so you could get a sense of the conversation here and the language that Kirby and the administration are using around this. As we reassembled our panel uh, with more to discuss, now that we actually had a chance to hear from Admiral Kirby, 
Uh, we want to bring back Lester Munson uh, from BGR Group and Jeannie Shanzano, of course, Bloomberg Politics contributor. It's interesting, Jeannie. It's like the administration is talking about this as if it might learn uh, that the, the speaker is going on the news with everyone else. But in fact, they have to be involved in the planning. Why not just own this and say, you know what, we can go to Taiwan anytime we want. Yeah, you know, clearly the president wasn't, uh, you know, uh, excited about this trip. He wasn't supportive of it. But, you know, they sort of, I think, publicly backed themselves into a corner. And I think the real question here, and it's so fascinating to hear from Kirby firsthand, is what does this do about our sort of dual postures as it pertains to Taiwan? On the one hand, we keep saying we adhere to this one China policy. We hear Kirby saying that. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we adhere to the the Taiwan's Relations Act. We're going to help them better defend themselves. I've had people raise the issue, what kind of defense is that? Is that a proxy defense or is that an actually going in to defend? As again, we're hearing notes that China is, you know, potentially at least White House officials concerned, thinking about following Russia and going into Taiwan within the next year or so. Lester, what's this arrival going to look like? I mean, I'm not, I'm assuming we're not going to do red carpets and orchestras and parades and so forth. Is this going to look different than it would have otherwise if it were not for this conversation? Uh, You know, I don't think it's going to be that different. I strongly suspect we're not going to see it in real time, Hmm. uh, that the speaker will, in fact, get a very warm reception from the Taiwanese. They're obviously very appreciative of the fact that she is visiting. They have a a very strong relationship in general. Yeah, Uh, I think we're going to we're going to see this after the fact, after she has left the island. Lester Munson, Jeannie Shanzano, come back with us as we reassemble the panel next with a lot more to talk about. We haven't even touched reconciliation and the challenge that lies before Democrats this week in the U.S. Senate. Kirsten Sinema is still not on board. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The target has been named. President Biden will tell the nation tonight in an address at 7.30 p.m. Washington time that a successful U.S. counterterrorism operation was carried out over the weekend in Afghanistan. The Associated Press says that target was Ayman al-Zawahri the terrorist known for being the leader of Al-Qaeda for, what, the last decade since 2011. 
Let's reassemble the panel for more as we anticipate what the president might tell us. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano is with us today, along with Lester Munson of BGR Group. What does the president need to say, Jeannie? This isn't top of mind for a lot of Americans. There have been so many topics flying out of Washington. It's been difficult for people to kind of balance them all, although I suspect that's why this is an evening address and something that needs to be written deliberately. Getting back to my question, what does that speech need to include? Uh, you know, I think he needs to tell us the facts, what happened, how it happened, to confirm that there were no civilian casualties. But I think what we're also going to hear is a little bit about what we've heard before the Senate Armed Services Committee in the last few months, which is from people from the DIA, the DIA and elsewhere, who have said that ISIS and Al-Qaeda are between six months and a year or longer before they can have the ability, or away from having the ability to attack Western targets, including the United States. In other words, they remain a real threat. And we've heard that repeatedly in some of these committees that news doesn't often get out to the public given everything going on. So I think the president's going to talk about that. And this is a significant development if this is what yeah. the president talks about. As you mentioned, this will be just the second transition in al-Qaeda leadership in 30 years. And he has led this group since Osama bin Laden was killed. Yeah, well, so again, even more than a decade, uh, uh, al-Zawari is not a household name in this country, though, Lester. Uh, but this is a big deal. How does the president elevate the moment to, to match the target? Well, this is a potentially big moment for President Biden, right? If true, Zawari is the successor to bin Laden as the leader of al-Qaeda. Notably, uh, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, opposed the operation that actually killed bin Laden uh, in Pakistan uh, many years ago. So let's hear about his decision-making process, about how this happened, the role of the Taliban, if any, uh, how this was carried out. Has he become a different decision-maker than he was back in 2011? That'll be very interesting to find out. We're going to get the photograph from the Situation Room and the rest that comes with this. Or Although I guess, you know, I, now that I think about it, Jeannie, the president's had COVID. He was probably uh, on a Zoom screen. Yeah, he could have been. And that's going to be, you know, interesting to see, you know, for the president, this is also critically important because one of the big missteps, if is saying it sort of mildly of his uh, tenure so far has been the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And what he promised at that point was even though we don't have troops on the ground, we would be able to use this over horizon strike capability to take out threats. And he is going to be able to make good on that if indeed that's what we're going to hear tonight. So this is going to be a big moment for him to address his his critics in terms of the the not necessarily nature of the withdrawal but the ability to you know live up to the promises he made well that's true and with regard to over the horizon uh, lester there was a lot of argument about that you were here for some of it uh, on sound on about whether this was a responsible strategy or or it would be the u.s lobbing more cruise missiles into countries that create more terrorists this this particular case looks like a win if you're if if you're getting the head of the organization over the horizon sounds pretty good uh, it does sound pretty good if, the, if this all bears out and, is, uh, and these uh, early reports are accurate. It's, it's terrifically good news for the United States. Uh, it's good news uh, for, for the president. Um, but I, I do think we should put this, you know, uh, and, and kudos to him if that's, if that's how all this uh, came out. Let's see this in the broader picture of uh, our efforts against terrorism globally, though. 
what what else is happening in Afghanistan? What are the other consequences of our withdrawal? Yeah. This is one event. It may be a very significant one, but we do need to kind of put it in the constellation of all of the other information that we have. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. If if this is going to be the moment, though, that that you've kind of described, it could be as the, this is uh, well, this is a a big deal, as Joe Biden might say. Uh, how important is the writing of that speech versus the delivery? Does he need to have a line that we remember tomorrow? Is this one of those moments in the administration that'll be part of the real? You know, um, Joe Biden is is an interesting communicator. I think you have to say there are times when he seems, you know, like he's he's uh, a little too old and he's, maybe he's lost a step and he kind of messes steps on some lines. There's other times when he is very real and connects to Americans and has that kind of blue collar, uh, you know, uh, make your own way kind of attitude about things. I think he needs to get in touch with that Joe Biden, that real guy from Scranton, uh, who's, you know, who's able to go talk to the union guys at the plant about gun control when they don't want to hear about it. He's He's got to kind of get into the Joe Biden that won this election and not the guy who's been a little overmanaged by his staff. Well, my goodness, he's an isolation genie. I don't know if that if that affects anything here, but uh, there are a couple of different ways to look at this, you know, that, that he's powering through, that he's the example of what all workers ought to be, uh, ought to aspire to. If they come down with COVID, you know, you're pushing through it. But this rebound case is something that got a lot of talk over the weekend. You know, he's stuck up there in the residence. Apparently, he's going to be speaking to us from the Blue Room balcony, as we mentioned at the top of the program. How do you look like you're still connected? Well, he's been trying as they've sent out these videos and these pictures and then there's been some discussion was masking and unmasking. And, you know, I think the point tonight for the president, there's nothing more important from any president, Democrat or Republican, that they keep the nation secure from internal and external security threats. And so tonight, if he can show that he took down with the help of obviously the, the U.S. military, the CIA, this enormous threat in terms of the leader of Al Qaeda, that is a big deal, as Joe Biden likes to say, and it is something that all Americans can you and people around the world, as Lester mentioned, can unite behind. And again, I think we have to be cautious because we're just hearing these reports. We don't know what he's going to say. But if that's the case, I think he will be able to show that kind of strength, even given his second bout with COVID, which yeah. he's been trying to you know, push through. So if done properly, Lester, this not only announces a successful counterterrorism operation, but it serves as you know the photograph with the newspaper today. He gets up there and shows the world that he has not been compromised by COVID, even though this is a, a rebound and there are some concerns about his age. Well, and Joe, it shows he's the most consequential policymaker in Washington, because I, I got to say, until about an hour ago, I would have said that was Speaker Pelosi. Uh, she's the one determining the agenda on Taiwan. She was the one pushing for the tough line on Ukraine. Yeah. Joe Biden, he's got a chance to kind of return to being the alpha here. <laughs> one thing he's not talking about tonight is reconciliation, Jeannie. Uh, Joe Manchin did the uh, the full Ginsburg, although I'm, I read it in the playbook. It's not really unless you do it in person. You actually have to drive from network studio to network studio. But what a messenger. Uh, you know, and it, Joe Biden is spinning a lot of plates at the moment. Kirsten Cinema, as I mentioned before, still has not committed to this deal. And it's been quite a number of days. Uh, I'm sure her voicemail is full, Jeannie. How does Joe Biden manage this on top of that? 
You, you know, yeah, it, it was fascinating to see Manchin, uh, the other Joe. Um, oh, you're our Joe, but the other Thank Joe you. in in Washington out on all the Sunday shows. Um, uh, you know, I think that Joe Biden has tried purposely, to, purposefully to stay behind the scenes. He's been, you know, we were here. He's been working the phones. They really do need to get Kristen Cinema on board. And I think one big danger. This is a very good time for Democrats this last few days. But one big danger is they can't, you know, issue a victory party or a victory sign prematurely yeah. and have this thing fall through. And there's major bumps in the road. You still have the birdbath, and you've got Kristen Cinema, and then you've got to get this thing through the house so if i was the president i think he should stay behind the scenes and push as much as he can forward without sort of going out and claiming a victory on reconciliation until it's all done and it's on his desk this is what i don't get about this whole conversation here uh it just i'm reminded every time i see joe manchin uh on sunday morning lester that this isn't done yet and a lot of things could still go wrong while there's this sort of victory lap that's happening uh, let's listen to him on ABC. This is Joe Manchin when he was asked, like, hey, what about Kirsten Cinema? You guys did this without her? Has she had say in this? Here's Joe Manchin. I haven't had any conversations with anybody during the process because I wasn't ever sure that we would get to, the, to a, f- a finale here to get a completed bill. There's nothing on taxes at all. There's not one, one penny of change in taxes. I have no idea where they're coming at. That was the other refrain, too. No new taxes, just closing loopholes, Lester. Does this have... Uh a better chance than build back better when it comes to the senator from Arizona? We don't know. Uh, and I, I, I do take a little bit of issue with laying this on Joe Manchin. This is Chuck Schumer's job. He's the majority leader. To bring he people together. To this. That's right. He was, and, and it's his job to know where the folks who are most likely to be the stray cats are going. And he's got to keep them in the fold. <laughs> That's his number one job. This is on Chuck Schumer. This is not on Joe Manchin. Yeah. This is this is the majority leader's obligation in that position to keep his caucus together. The the his first call should have been to Senator Cinema. Are She's got to say something in the next couple of days, Jeannie. How much time does she have? She'll have to speak rather quickly, and and My we God. know Kristen Cinema. She doesn't like to speak a lot, but she's going to be forced out. Reporters are going to be crawling. <laughs> uh, Lester, great to have you. Thank you for being with us, and of course, Jeannie Shanzano politics contributor on what's going to be an important night joe biden addressing the nation 7 30 p.m as we've been discussing on sound on we'll meet you back here tomorrow to talk about it this is bloomberg top thrill two is like no other course two 420 foot vertical speedways three launches all right let's talk strategy copy that driver go for maximum acceleration off the start measure that you've got a short straightaway to push from zero to 74 on the first vertical speedway and what about the rollback rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach zero g's in total weightlessness 420 feet of straight up speed let's get it top thrill 2 the world's tallest and fastest triple launch strata coaster get your tickets at cedarpoint.com the hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge the Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity 
while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash Sustainable Biz Singapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash Sustainable Biz Singapore.